podcast. This week, we are going to the dogs. I'm your host, Chris Baxter-King. With me, as always, is Roy Tatum. Tanya Chavez, Chief of Staff. Jody Polanski, Lost Our Home Pet Rescue. And Arlene Chin, Tempe Council Member. But wait, I brought a guest today. My dog, Finnegan McChin. Finnegan is our first four-legged guest. Well, he is a personality of in and of itself. <laughs> He's having fun already. Aww. How many people around the table have a dog at home? I we believe do. all of us, Chris. Oh, yeah. All of us have. Who's your pooch? Vegas. I have three, Bo, Rocky, and Rosie. I have Eurostar Ging. I have Peanut and Share Bear. Pets are such an important part of our lives. Nearly 40% of American households own a dog, and there are 80 million dogs who are pets in this country. During the pandemic, an extra 11% of people in the country adopted a pet of some sort, a dog usually. And Americans spend around $100 million annually on their pets. I think all of that is from my household. Um, (laughs) So nearly half of our dog owners adopted their furry friends from a rescue or a shelter like Lost Our Home Pet Foundation. And Jody, we are so happy to have you here today. Jody, how important is it to rescue, I mean, even a single pet? As they say, saving one pet does not change the world, but it changed the world to that one pet. Aw, so adorable. And you can save is going to make a difference, for sure. I believe that. You know, we all love our pets. And you can tell by the, you know, the smiles on everybody's faces when they talk about their dogs, um, how, much they, how much joy they bring into our lives. And, you know, the love of pets is why Lost Our Home Pet Rescue came into being. Um, It's a Tempe-based nonprofit, and it offers services designed to help people keep their pets, even when times are tight through creative and compassionate programs like temporary pet care, a pet food bank, and and so much more. With us today is founder and executive director Jody Polanski. Hello. Hey. So you used to be a mortgage broker. How did you transition from broker to founder of Lost Our Home? Well, 2008, during that mortgage crisis, um, at that time I had been doing a lot of volunteer work for a pet rescue, and because I was also uh, worked with a lot of realtors, the time I kept hearing stories about pets being left behind in foreclosed homes, mm. and because of that, I kept wondering, like, well, what happened to the pet? You know, and I would just hear, well, they told the listing agent that doesn't mean that the pet was ever cared for. So the initial idea of, of uh, opening Lost Our Home was really just to be able to help those pets that had been abandoned in foreclosed homes. But, um, and it was never meant to be this. It was like that we'd rescue a couple pets a month. And in our first six months, we rescued uh, over, four, over 400 pets. Wow. And it wow. just kind of has been growing. Um, so, in, in our programs, all we do today came out of that foreclosure crisis because, you know, that crisis um, has similar um, things that go with other crises around, you know, like homelessness and. Uh, escaping domestic violence, um, hospitalization. There's all kinds of things that people, just financial instability, need help with, besides the fact of just having a house foreclosed on. How many pets does your organization help a year? Well, we're helping, um, you know, it varies every single year. We're probably averaging about 2,200 pets a year um, in our programs. (laughs) Wow. 
Yeah, <laughs> out of our little shelter in Tempe. <laughs> so, and you know, we do a lot of referring to other uh, agencies. We can't take everybody in, so we're always trying to give people advice and help out. So those are the ones we've taken in help in our programs. But I know there's thousands and thousands more that we're helping in other ways too. We just don't track them, so I couldn't tell you for sure how many we've actually helped. You must have some experiences that are truly heartwarming. Oh, there's so many. <laughs> it is very satisfying. It's actually it's it's. Can, it's I'm, I'm kind of like an up and down because there's you know there's things that make you so sad and you know you cry one time and then the next time you're just happy and giddy for somebody so it's a kind of emotional roller coaster but in the end it's very very fulfilling and um, I guess I'm thinking of a story that I'd helped a lady who had been homeless she's actually was in Kiwanis Park and um, a, one of our volunteers found her and asked her if she needed some help she had a dog two dogs with her actually and she just said that she um, couldn't find housing. And so we took her pets in, her dogs in, for our temporary care programs so that she can get into um, housing, temporary housing, until she got into permanent housing. We helped her get into an apartment as far as finding a, um, somebody to help her. We didn't pay for it, but we found someone to help her get an apartment who worked really hard. It's more than just helping pets, you're helping people too in the work that we do. And that's also really, really fulfilling. Oh, absolutely. I thank you so much for the work that you're doing and recognizing <coughs> how pets are part of our family. I mean, sometimes the only family that we have. What are some ways that people can get involved with Lost Our Home? What What do you need and what can we do to help? There's so many things. We, um, we are still rebuilding our volunteer base after COVID. And so we are looking for some great volunteers to come in on a consistent basis. Um, volunteers that want to get trained well and, and come um, often. Uh, our volunteers do everything from, you know, taking care of the animals, dogs or cats, to doing admin, to doing events, um, helping with um, things they do from their home, admin work from their home even too. So, so much I could do is we're looking for some volunteers. Um, right now there's a kind of a shortage when it comes to pet food. So donations of um, dog or cat food would be incredibly helpful. Um, we're, right now we're full into kitten season. So any kind of you know kitten formula and uh, kitten food, canned and dry, um, both would be um, something that's needed a lot right now. Um, and then of course uh, monetary donations because those can be used for anything, let it be for kitten food or dog food or whatever we need. So the monetary donations are the most flexible for us. And we always need that. Uh, it's a tough year for a lot of businesses, especially for nonprofits, because as people don't have the extra income anymore. Um, because of inflation or other reasons, um, the person that gets cut out is is their philanthropic um, spending. So, so yeah, so um, lots of ways to help us and to help us make a difference and um, and just come by the shelter and say hello and come by and see it. The shelter is really pretty, actually. It's very homelike, and um, just come by and see it sometime too would be a way to support us. Jody, I have a question. This is Tanya. Not actually a question, a statement. Um, it was so fantastic to see you in the, to see you in the organization in the community. Um, we recently held the annual tour to Tempe, which is a, is a, a big bike ride in Tempe, a community staple event. And your staff was out there with a couple of animals, and I was like, "What a fantastic idea um, to get animals to connect with people in the community to bring them out there." They were all both well behaved. Um, you know, I wanted to take both of them home. But what other type community events does your organization participate in to help showcase, you know, the, the, the animals that you have up for adoption? 
You know, it just varies so much. We have some standing um, places we go on the weekends, like um, Choice Pet Market is one that we go to often. But as part of that, um, people contact us if they have an event that's going to have um, a big crowd there, you know, and it's something that's suitable that a dog can go to, then we, we'd like to go there and, and help and help be part of it and show some dogs off and it always brings smiles to people's faces. Um, no matter where we go, we're with dogs, like that's where people kind of crowd around. Definitely, <laughs> that w- it was the hit that day for sure. Yeah, <laughs> it's fun, it's fun. We really, really enjoy doing those. So your organization has truly become a beloved part of our community, it, it really is. But on top of that, you've grown. I mean, you were in a small facility and now you've grown into a huge building that you own yourselves and you're looking to grow even further. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so um, the building we have, um, when we purchased it, we had a tenant and the tenant moved out. So we've been doing construction so we can expand within our building. So we're gonna be hopefully finished in the next 30 days um, of our expansion, which will include having our own um, in-house clinic for our animals. Wow, nice. Which is super exciting for us. That's amazing. (laughs) And with that, we'll probably do some like low-cost vaccine clinics and some low-cost dentals from the public once we're really up and running and ready to take that on. Um, but the other a bigger thing we're doing right now is we have collab- collaboration with um, two other organizations, Arizona Pet Project and Heidi's Village. And I recently got a grant from the governor to expand our program statewide. Amazing. So. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So we are t- going on the road now. <laughs> <laughs> so no more brick and mortar. Uh, that will only be in, here in Tempe, but we'll be you know, collaborating with other organizations around our state to be able to provide our temporary care program and um, other programs. Some new programs are going to start, too. I understand that you use a Tempe-made dog snack called Bubba Bites at Lost Our Home. What makes these treats so special? Um, Bubba Bites, you know, it's interesting. They came by and dropped off a case of, of the treats, and, you know, the animals loved them. And so we had to do some research on them. Like, who is who are these people? They're great. And it's so, what's so special about them is they, everything is locally, it's locally made. They work with a company that actually employs people who are um, um, having mental disabilities that are trying to get back into the work readiness, this work readiness programs. And so, so they work with this company. So the when everything is made, it's made in a really philanthropic way, really. And so, so not only is like, you know, good quality products and, and local support of a company that's right here in Tempe, but it's actually made through a company that actually supports, it's also philanthropic. So I just think that's so beautiful. They do you know everything they can to help the community that they're in. Now, we just happened to buy some Bubba Bites for today because, you know, we have a guest. We have a snack for humans. We wanted to make sure that Finn had a snack too. So our uh, council member Chen, do you want to uh, share some snacks with Finnegan? I I think he would be willing to do that. (laughs) Would you like to describe which which uh, which snack you're giving him right now? Sure, we're going with the Bubba Bites, the big peanut butter one, and it says that they're natural and handmade treats for dogs. And and Finn came immediately to me. I think immediately he's he's on alert. He and I are food motivated. That's a family trait. Um, All right, Finn. Would you like one? Okay. What a good sit. There you go, bud. Oh, yes. Oh, Oh, yes. yes. Immediate. Immediate. Here you go, Finn. (laughs) Oh, he got it. That was funny. Where are Bubba Bites located? Where can we find them? They are in Tempe. They are Tempe-based, but I think it's mostly buy them online at BubbaBites.net. Okay, great. I think these would be great gifts for some of Finn's friends. So while Finn is trying his treats, we are all going to try some delicious boba teas from Mango Rabbit. 
uh, yesterday um, I stopped off over at their Apache Boulevard shop and talked to Jamie, who is so helpful and fun. And Jamie made us some of these really great to-go boba kits. And we have, I think, five different varieties of tea and some funky cookies and some fruit and a lot of other things that we're going to start um, pulling together. But the shop makes these outrageously sized boba drinks with whipped cream and anime character cookies and fancy straws and mermaid tails and, I mean, anything you can possibly imagine they have in a boba um, and some sort of milk tea. Um, there are days when the line to get a tea is around the block. And one of the reasons for that is that they're the local swag home of BTS, the South Korean band, that they're one of the most popular groups in the world. Right now, you can pre-order a BTS album drop basket full of swag, and then you can pick it up at the shop on June 11th. Tanya, why don't you describe what we have here on the table? Well, first, Chris, I would like to say thank you for inviting me because dogs and desserts are probably two of my favorite things. Um, <laughs> And I was really surprised when I came in to see this kind of take take home kit. Um, and while Finn is eating his treats, maybe I can give you a little idea of what's on the table. We've picked up six make your own boba tea kits from again Mango Rabbit, and we have several flavors of tea. It looks like we've got honey uh, house milk tea, strawberry chai tea, a house green milk tea, which looks fantastic. Also on here, as you mentioned, some little donut bites. Um, these amazing look, looking character cookies. I think one of them is little Yoda with uh, rabbit ears on it, which is just adorable. Um, and some fresh fruit and um, who doesn't love whipped cream to top it all right. off. There are donut bites. There are <laughs> chocolate oh, yeah, donuts. Yeah. Yeah. The table. Pass those down. <laughs> I'd say everybody should just grab one of the little quart milk jugs of, of tea. And we have these funky little jars with um, lids that have just enough room for the the boba straw on them and they've got boba on the bottom pick whichever flavor of tea you like and open your jar and and start pouring and for the record the house green milk is not green in color no it <laughs> is it's, it's house green tea milk it's kind of like an almond color yep. i think i'll have the house milk milk tea boba is awesome i'll have to tell you these little Court, they're like miniature gallons of milk that these these come Third. in. It's so, so adorable. Have you all had boba before? Nodding, yes. I have had boba before. Yes. It, it, it's a thing. If you have teenagers, you, you likely have had boba. <laughs> all right, I have some bobas. I'm going to give it a little shake here. Origin of and bobas. These containers are, are just super cute. I mean, definitely reusable. I would say Jamie hooked us up. I would too. Let's give it a taste. In goes the straw. Mmm. Oh my God, this is so good. <laughs> I like how that you can customize it any way that you want. That's genius. And not as sweet as I expected. Correct. How's the milk tea? Delicious. It's really good. So a couple of things. I grew up. Asian household and the compliment if you were serving dessert which was rare but if there was some dessert or a sweet type pastry something uh, served and if the first the immediate reaction if it was hmm 
not too sweet, that meant it was good. So the Asian palate is not overly sweet, just enough, which is represented in the boba drinks and the milk tea. Absolutely. Although I will say that when you go to Mango Rabbit, the tea might not be that sweet, but all of the accoutrement they have (laughs) is definitely decadent. I mean, they they roll the the drinks in sugars and... um, I mean, all the different things that they have, it, the drinks end up being like a foot tall and, right. you know, eight inches wide. So <laughs> Very dramatic. Very, very fun. Very dramatic. And, and you know, so, so culturally fun. I mean, there's always anime. There's always some element of just, of just you know, really a good time. Roy, um, I think you have some additional things to talk to Councilmember Chin about while we're sipping on our bobas. I'm going to slurp, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting, getting my boba, my boba on. So, tell us a little bit about about Finn, and tell us how did you two meet? Finn was adopted from my friend's litter. He was born in Tempe, in the Lakes Housing Development Area. His biological mother is named Zoe, and is the dog of my friends uh, Dave and and Magda Walls. Awesome. So so it was a family adoption, family to family. Would you consider uh, Tempe a, a pet-friendly city? Oh, absolutely. Tell and us about I th- that. I think we have a lot of great restaurants, another one of my favorite topics, that have great outdoor patios that are very pet-friendly. Finn has visited many of them in Tempe. Um, he likes to keep it neutral, and he won't name his favorites, but... He wishes there were more, Uh, but I think I I see and meet a lot of people in Tempe, and I've uh, been known to stop and pet their dog, and then as an afterthought, talk to the human being also. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about the council member, Arlene Chin. Councilwoman Arlene Chin got an early start with community involvement in 1982, she served on the mayor's Youth Advisory Commission. In 1984, she was part of a delegation that brought home the All-America City designation for the city of Tempe. She's a 45-year resident of Tempe and our community's first Asian-American council member. Councilwoman Chin. What got you interested in community involvement way back in high school? And what has carried that passion into wanting to lead the city as a council member? Thanks, Roy. Um, I'm going to start. I'll answer your question, but I'm going to tell you a story about the All-America City Award. I was... uh, in 84, I was, I had since graduated from high school, but because of my term on the Mayor's Youth Advisory Commission and serving as the chair of the Youth Town Hall the previous year, uh, the city of Tempe and their application for the All-America City Award included that, that the Mayor's Youth Advisory Commission existed and this was a, uh, a board or commission on par and treated as such as any of the other adult boards or commissions in the city. And and I think one of the first in the country. Uh, don't quote me on that stat though. Uh, but it was significant enough and important to our community to include it. Well, I remember when I 
went to the the jury presentation and there was a very distinguished panel of jurists that were reviewing the applications from cities all over the U.S. and in really impressive cities and impressive uh, uh, submissions. So the jurists were looking over everything and, and it, it seemed like they were struggling for a question. Like Tempe was very impressive with their submission and their application. And, and so one of the jurists said, uh, well, this, this mayor's youth advisory commission, tell us about that, really. Uh, and then, so the, the, the delegation, I'm in the back of the room. They suddenly shuffle me up to the front of the, the lectern and to the microphone. And I am wide-eyed and intimidated in front of this distinguished panel of jurists from across the country. So the question to me was, so really, how often do you get to see the mayor? All right, they were questioning whether we were a legit commission that had access to mayor and council. The mayor at the time went by his first name. We all called him Harry, right? Mayor Harry Mitchell. And I recalled we had meetings up on the third floor in what is currently the city manager's conference room. And the mayor's office was just next door. We would meet Harry would pop in all the time, sit down with us and just ask us, so what's going on? What are you guys talking about? What do you, what do you want to know? What do you? And so in my frightened and intimidated little mind at that time, at the microphone, my response was, oh, we see him anytime we want to. <laughs> it, and the, the, the jury laughed. And I thought, what did I say? What did I do? So apparently it was disarming enough that it seemed to help. But to this day, Don Cassano and Harry Mitchell remind me of that very embarrassing moment where I didn't have it together and didn't have a cool, sophisticated answer. So nothing's changed. <laughs> um, sorry, Roy. And thank no you. Problem. No thank, problem. Thank you for the story. Um, Thanks for indulging me on that one. How did I get interested? I think that's the culture of Tempe, to get involved. We encourage that uh, since the, the olden days of when I was a youth uh, to now. We still encourage it. We want our community members to speak up and get involved in whether it's a board or a commission or any of the nonprofits that we have in our community to, to, to speak and to share and to get involved. So it was the culture of what I grew up in in Tempe. It's one thing to live in a city. It's another thing to be a part of a community. Building the community is important, more um, than geography. So it's mutual, it, it's mutual understanding and building common bonds. Finn's love of these treats is proof that we all bond over food. We're having this amazing boba tea right now. And when you go to Mango Rabbit's website, it posts in big letters, each order is made with love to bridge cultures in Arizona. So talk to us about how food plays a role in building community. Does food play a role in building community? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, uh, it's almost like every day should be like Thanksgiving. 
when the the purpose is to break bread with people and break down the uh, barriers that we create, superficial barriers between us, and just let's share a meal and get to know one another. Uh, it's also a way, I come from a Chinese American background, and you know, I grew up with foods that I love introducing my friends to, that I grew up with, but I will tell you, I was an adult before I had my first grilled cheese sandwich. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) So I didn't have it until I moved to Arizona. Mm, Okay, maybe not adult, but a teenager before I had a grilled cheese sandwich. I didn't grow up with that. But for some of my friends, a grilled cheese sandwich and a bowl of tomato soup evokes memories of rainy days, of hanging out with their family. Their mom made this on right? It was rainy. And in Arizona, those are memorable in and of itself. Um, But sharing, like a simple dish of um, something, a comfort food item. Uh, It's uh, beef chow fun or guan chow ngao ho. That's how you say it in Cantonese. That's comfort food. And I love introducing foods like that to my friends because one, it's an approachable dish but it's something I grew up with. And it's a sharing of who I am, my background, and and wanting to be open to a a dear friend, right? To tell them who I am. Food food can do that. And it could be through very simple, simple things that we that are very familiar to us. Um, And I think as for our community, we, we live in a pretty diverse community in Tempe. Our representation on council is quite diverse. It, it, it's The most it, diverse in the state. That's right. And it's, and it's because that's a reflection of our community, who comprises our community, the humanity that we have in Tempe. So um, exploring and sharing uh, of new foods and restaurants and cultures that you may not have had before um, I think provides an, an opportunity to understand other people a little bit better. I think it's amazing that we have such a diversity in Tempe and the food is reflective of that as well. I think you can get uh, just a wide array of, of dishes and restaurants. So what does that say about the city? I mean, that speaks to the diversity, right? Oh, it speaks to the diversity, but the interest in one another and supporting of one another of differences in culture and welcoming of perhaps something you didn't grow up with but have learned to understand or like now as an adult and you want that uh that ingredient so to speak in our community because it enriches our community you know these are i can go on and on with food puns also so do you think we need more restaurants in Tempe? Of course I do. I always do. I have, you know, um, we're losing a lot of um, Cantonese-style restaurants in the Valley. Um, I would love a good Cuban bakery. There's a national chain that I would love for them to come here. Porto's, Porto's if you're listening, I would like you to come to Tempe. Um, there is a, uh Asian noodle and dumpling restaurant that I would love. I think we have some space in Tempe for you. Din Tai Fung, talking to you. 
if you've heard of them. Nom. Right? All all great. But I also love the locally owned mom and pop. I So another side note, I feel like this is like Arlene Chin confessional today. <laughs> uh, Share it all. So I grew up in the restaurant business. My parents owned a Chinese restaurant on the corner of University and Rural. It's now a taco shop. It was called How How. I was the little kid in the corner with a stack of library books from Tempe Public Library, my homework, and a TV, because I spent many hours there. So I'm always supportive of our locally owned, smaller mom and pop restaurants. Those are my favorites. Today is National Pet Parent Appreciation Day. And our pets tell us every day how much they care about us with, you know, their wags and their woofs and their greetings at the door and all of that fun stuff. Today is their official day to show us their love. We got a present for Finn. A present for Finn. Finn. Yes. Because what makes our dogs happy usually makes us happy too. And he's been so great on the podcast, we wanted to make him an ambassador. The diplomat dog? The diplomat dog! Well, let's... uh, Let's hook him up. Finn, look. Aww. Oh, that's so sweet. It is a, oh, this is so cool. It's Finn, I heart Tempe with a paw print. Oh, <laughs> I love it. It's perfect. <laughs> okay, I'm going to put it on him. So Tanya, what's going on? What are, you, what are, you, what are we gonna talk about today? Chris, every once in a while on the podcast, we like to give a quick tip. I wanted to share, I'm not sure if many people know, but the city of Tempe has an animal welfare specialist. So if you have a large population of feral cats in your neighborhood, um, there's help that's available. Um, Our animal welfare specialist, Kristen Gwynn, is here to help you, to educate you on cat colony management. So that's always important to know. She can be reached at 480-858-PETS. 7387 or you can email animalwelfare at tempe.gov so that's all good information um, for those that are having feral cat issues and if you're looking for something fun to do with your pet the desert botanical garden has dog days on saturday mornings through the end of may check out their website for details and let me tell you we need to be able to get out there while we can while the weather is nice Uh, we won't have that luxury too much longer and I'm expecting to see Councilmember Chin at Foodie Friday. I'll see you there. Yeah. Downtown Authority has a fun night of food, snacks, live music, and games like Giant Jenga at Tempe Beach Park every Friday night this month. Again, stop by with your pup. It's a pet-friendly event, and we'd love to see you there. Now it's time for us to announce our giveaway. We're giving away a selection of Bubba Bites to someone, some lucky a pet owner who uh, answers our trivia question for this week. Go to tempe.gov slash tempe this week. Answer a question about today's show and you could win. Answer all the questions right and you could win our season's grand prize. An overnight stay at the Omni Tempe Hotel at Ooh, wow. Omni. That's our show for this week. This week, the podcast. See, Finn, I get a treat too. Whoa. I think Finnegan is saying that he would like some milk tea, but maybe he can have another dog treat. (laughs) Thank you, Finn.